welcome back to the Frequent Flusher, episode 13, the one with the first interview. First interview. My I'm name's Sarah. And I'm Tony. Oh, As a cutoff Tony, it's fine. What else is new? <laughs> All good. Man, oh man. And we have our first guest ever on the show, Mr. Sean. I'm not going to drop your last name, you know, just in case. I don't no, know. I can say it. I don't care. Whatever. Don't All right. Sean's there it is. Okay. He dropped his own last name. That's how it works. Yeah. yeah. Sean, hey, welcome. Welcome to the Frequent Flusher for the first, first time ever. It's so nice to find a group that, like, flushes as frequently as I do. Right? You feel at home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. It is. I feel at peace talking to you. Yeah. It's like another one. Yeah. Another one in the coolest group ever. The shit the, squad. The shit squad. I'm so sorry. My parents, like, they listen to them, and they're like, Sarah, you should not be swearing. So, sorry, Mom and Dad, <laughs> you're listening. Anyway, um, yeah, welcome back, Flushies. This is episode 13, as Tony said, and basically, we're just going to let Sean take it away and tell us about his story with IBD. Well, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, we're excited to finally do our first interview here, and... I'm get started with it and hear your backstory, Sean. We know that you have a lot to share and also to talk about traveling as well, too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm excited about that. Yeah, I, I, got, need, I think yeah. I've got like uh, six, my six top tips for traveling, and then <gasps> two bonus tips that people genuinely don't seem to know about. I am so excited! So stay tuned, yeah. Fleshies. Don't turn us off. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You're going to want to know. Anywho, so we're just going to start off. Uh, Sean, when were you diagnosed? Um, I it, So I'm 34 now. It was when I was 23 going into 24, so about 10 years ago. Wow. Um, over July 4th weekend. Um, Man, like fireworks and yeah, then fireworks in your asshole. The wrong way. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Way. Out your asshole, I should say. I'm sorry, butthole. Yeah. Oh, and you're really disappointing I, your parents right I, now. <laughs> I am. They're gonna disown me. Dang. Okay. Anyways, continue. Sorry. Um. No. Yeah. So about ten years ago now. Um. And it was July Fourth weekend. I remember I went camping uh, with some friends. Uh. And I remember waking up. I think it was on July Fourth, and I was like, something doesn't feel right. I'm having like, intermittent pain. And my friends were like, oh, maybe you just drank too much. And I remember thinking I didn't drink the night before because I didn't feel good the night before. Um, and then, like, they kind of blew it off. But, it, like I said, I shouldn't say that. Like, like I did stay before and take one that... Um, yeah, what? <laughs> it's okay, that. fam. We, we had some technological issues. So we had to re-record poor Sean. Anyway. Oh, it's okay. So, like I said before... Uh, it wasn't their fault because they didn't know and I didn't know at the time that this was going on. Um, but as the day went on, it got worse and worse and worse. And I remember um, my my friend drove me back to my car um, and I was trying to drive to the hospital that I like, worked at, which was Medina Hospital. Um, and I remember having like, so much pain, I ended up calling people at the hospital to find out like, who the ER doc was that was there that day and who the surgeon was on call that day because I was trying you to self-diagnose. 
because yeah. I was a nurse at the time. I was like, oh, I have this, or I have this. But, like, IBD Crohn's did not cross my mind at the time. I thought I had a very rare thing called an intussusception. Um, oh. Yeah. I, like, yeah. I that's where my mind went, but not appendicitis or anything. Not, like right. Much <laughs> that's funny. The rarest disease. Right. Naturally. <laughs> so... I'm driving and the pain got so bad that I actually like had to pull over because I could not like control myself because it was like that sharp W over pain. I was not able to drive. I was hyperventilating, getting dizzy because of hyperventilating. I had to call 911. The squad came and picked me up and took me to Mercy Medical Center. And I was there for uh, about a week, um, went through a slew of tests, um, there was way too many S's on my tests. Um, <laughs> I didn't notice it, but now that you pointed it out. <laughs> um, had a colonoscopy. I was throwing up blood at one point. Um, and during the colonoscopy, as I'm sure you guys know, they took some biopsies. And those take a few days to come back. And sure enough, they came back positive for Crohn's disease, um, which was... I, at the time, like, when he came in and told me, I wasn't surprised uh, because my mom has Crohn's disease. She's had it for a very long time. Mm. Um, and they do say that it, there is, like, a familial trait with Crohn's disease or, like, with any IBD. Do, you, yeah. do any of your guys' family members have IBD? Mine do not. No, I was the yeah. first out of my family. Mine, so my aunt on my mom's side has, she actually has a J pouch now too, but she got ulcerative colitis super late. Like it was after she had children and she was in her forties, which was kind of weird presentation, yeah. I feel for that. And then my cousin has celiacs, which I have both. Right. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. but yeah, there is yeah. like, there's supposed to be like a genetic component. Anyway. Yeah, so wasn't surprised by that, I guess, just because my mom had it. And after my initial shock of everything slowed down, I kind of figured that's probably what was going on was some sort of IBD or something like that. Sure. Um, was NPO for a few days in the hospital, which as you guys are aware, sucks. The worst. So bad. So hard. Yeah, it uh, sucks. <laughs> and then like you yeah. said, or sorry, yeah. no, no, <laughs> never no, mind, was, this is the first time we were... Yeah, we, we didn't record this before. Um, well, we, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I do this special form of torture for myself when I'm in the hospital, and Especially when I'm NPO, I only watch the Food Network. Which is, like, the worst thing you could possibly do. Because not even, like, not only with IBD, you can't eat half the crap anyways. Because it, well, like, now, blows our buttholes out. But now, now, yeah. I don't have cable, so no Food Network. So I just turn on the Great British Bake Off. I've heard that's amazing. It's I have so to check good. that out. If you don't watch, you should watch. It's the I most need to. pleasant show I've ever watched. Like, bake-offs in America are, like, so violent and we hate each other. Yeah. And you, you watch, like, the British version of this show and it's, like, everybody's so polite and, and so Aww. kind to each other. Even when they suck, they're like, oh, but you tried your best. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Participation trophy. That's exactly. awesome. I'll also watch. Yeah. Anywho, so sorry. So Back no, on topic. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Uh, um, about how you, you were NPO. Yes, NPO for several days. Um, ended up, like, you know, getting back to, like, a normal state, quote-unquote normal state. And I went back to work the following week. Um, yeah, which is then, insane. 
Yeah, probably not the best idea, but I <laughs> felt fine. So. That's true. Um, but. And I remember being at work, uh, and one of the days, I was probably back for a couple days, um, and not feeling well, not feeling well, not feeling well, getting worse throughout the day, and by the end of my 12-hour shift, I was like, I have to go to the ER, like, something's wrong again, which I knew it was probably, you know, about sure. which is what I initially went into the hospital for, like, the week before was... Uh, the reason I was having such bad pain was not just like a Crohn's flare. I had a pretty severe bowel obstruction, a small bowel obstruction, mm. um, right at the terminal ilium, which is where the small intestine ends and the large intestine begins, um, which is, I believe, the most common spot for Crohn's to manifest. Um, but having those symptoms again uh, while I was at work, ended up going to the ED, got admitted. I was there for like a week and a half or something like that not getting any better, trialing NPO, trialing clears, and still having tons of pain. Um, and, uh, were you even like hungry at that point at all? Or because um, you were having such pain, you weren't? There were days where I was, and there were most days I, I would say I wasn't. Even now when that... I have complications, I'm not hungry. I can honestly go days without eating and be fine sometimes. Yeah. Well, at least, I mean, I'm almost like grateful that you weren't hungry because I think that would have made it like eat so much worse exponentially worse yeah yeah um, anyway sorry especially Continue. for the things that are coming up with this story oh boy um, <laughs> oh boy <laughs> um so they consulted a surgeon um dr dawson uh who tony said you know um, yes uh and she comes in she basically says hey this is what we think is going on um the x-rays don't look any better you know you probably need surgery to correct this. So my mom uh, was there with me, or she wasn't there with me. She was actually out of town. Um, and she was on the phone and said, no, if you're going to have to have surgery, go to main campus. Because my mom had had so many surgeries up there. Um, right. Fantastic work with her. Um, so she knows all the colorectal surgeons up there and says, go up there. They'll take good care of you. So get transferred up there. And I remember... I get transferred up there late in the evening, and they send me down to CT scans right away. I thought it was interesting because it was like late in the evening and we're still doing a CT scan, which doesn't happen at some of the small community hospitals like the one I was at first place in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and the uh, GI practitioner comes in, and I forget his name. I, I can't remember. He comes in and says, I got bad news. Like, I want to show you the CT scan. He asked if I'm, like, you know, familiar with reading CTs, and I was kind of familiar because I had been a nurse at this time for a few years. Um, and he shows it to me, and it is bad. Like, my small intestine and large intestine are so swollen, uh, like, on the verge of toxic megacolon. And he oh says, like, if we don't wow. operate on you within the next, you know, four or five hours, your intestine could burst, and then you'll be in even a worse state. Which that's you know? horrible, horrible, horrible right. if that happens, so. Right, yeah, yeah, if you perforate or anything like that, it's awful. Mm -hmm. um, then you get really bad infection, septic shock, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's just like a much worse hospital course and, you know, higher morbidity rates and things like that. Um, but, you know... I was like, okay, great. Like, let's not great, but like, let's let's do this. Yeah. Um, 
complicating things is my parents were actually out of the country. And Which, so, like, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I can't even imagine, because we, like, I think we talked about earlier, well, maybe not in this recording, but the last one, like, having a child go through this, and then not being able to be there, like, I just bet your parents were so just, like, ugh, yeah, they're, heartbroken. They're trying to talk to us from, I can't remember if they were in Puerto Rico or in the Dominican Republic or something like that, somewhere yeah. in there. In the but you said your brother was with you, correct? Yeah, my, my brother uh, was still here, and my aunt and uncle live up in Cleveland as well. Okay, good. So they were around, but my mom and dad are trying to call me and trying to call the hospital and trying to call my brother, but they're out of the country, so service is different, and we're probably poor or whatever, you know, having connection troubles and things like right. that. And eventually they're just like, I was like, don't bother rushing home, like, we'll take care of it, I'll be fine. Um, but they ended up rushing home, obviously, because, you know, how could a Their parent parents, do that? yeah. Right, exactly. Right. Um, so they took me down to surgery, and actually I remember uh, when I went in to have surgery, uh, before I went down to surgery, you meet the surgeon, he tells me everything that's going to go on, he's like telling me, you know, exactly what they think they need to do, he tells me that they're possibly going to have to do an ileostomy or a colostomy, you know, hopefully just temporarily, um, uh, but always the possibility of there being a permanent ostomy in place. Um, and I was like, I don't want that, obviously, right. you know. I mean, I don't think anybody goes into any situation, especially with IBD saying, yes, give me an ostomy. No, that was like, yeah, for me, I remember that was what my parents and I were always like, just never that. Like, never that. Right. And then it happens right. for all the reasons that like we're so young and yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was 23 going into 20, like into my 24 years old mm -hmm. and uh, like body image issues, you know, you sure. know, how am I going to, you know, have a partner or how am I going to have mm -hmm. relations with someone and that kind of thing? Like, what are they yeah. going to think? What are my friends going to think? What is my family going to say about it? Um, yeah. And especially like we talked about, oh, sorry, I keep saying that, but like, for mine, everybody knows that we failed. The first <laughs> yeah, we failed hard. <laughs> I was gonna say it is a Monday, but it's not. It's Tuesday, <laughs> but it's yeah, fine. You're right. Time and space <laughs> don't make sense in COVID. It's fine. But anyway, um, I was gonna say that like prior to my surgery, at least I had months, yeah, like two month, two months, one month to prep and like kind of understand. Okay, I'm gonna have an ostomy. Whereas, right. like, bless your soul, you were just told, like, okay, you're going to go under in, like, five minutes, and, hey, you might have a ostomy. Like, that's a lot. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, I, it was it was stressful, obviously, but, like, my mentality throughout the whole thing was, like, you just, I got to do what I got to do. Like, it's going to yeah. suck, but, you know what, like, you're the medical experts. You're the people who are doing this or being trained to do this for a living. Sure. You know? And Isn't that crazy, I'll, though, that, like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, and, and I'll just... I'll learn to deal with whatever, you know, happens, basically. Yeah. I just always, like, thought it was so wild that, like, you meet this surgeon that you don't know from Adam, and yeah. yet they're going to cut into you. Yep. <laughs> you're just like, you're all right. You're living with your life for the next <laughs> yeah. however long you're in surgery for. Yeah, and it's actually, wild. I didn't tell you this last time, but I remember this. Uh, when I went down to the surgical suite, the operating room, I remember being in there and they're like, you know, strapping me into this bed essentially. And they're, you know, putting in more IVs and things like that. And they're like, okay, we're going to give you some medicine to help you, you know, 
get comfortable and a doctor walks in and I was like, you better not give me that medicine. That's not my surgeon. That's not who I just met. <laughs> You're like, I started nope. freaking out and they're like, no, he's like, I'm just, I'm the assisting surgeon. I'm one of the residents like here to watch and like assist. They're like, like, don't, don't touch me. <laughs> don't, don't put me under. I'll come out missing a leg or something. Like, <laughs> I was like, seriously like, though. Personality. I was like on edge, obviously, because I'm about to like have a life altering surgery. Yeah. So anyways, go under. It was a success. I come out and I remember waking up and one of the first things I asked the uh, PACU nurse was, um, do I have an ostomy? And she was like, yes. And I was very emotional about it. Probably cried. was very upset. Um, my mom was actually there. Um, and she was like, it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. You know, holding my hand, all that stuff that parents do that we take for granted. Um, and I remember just like, at, uh, you had talked about laparoscopic surgery before for you. I had an open surgery, so Ugh. wow, which is like involved in longer recovery time and a lot more yeah. painful. I can imagine. Yes, yes. I had staples going from just a few inches below my sternum to my pubic bone. Um, what year was this? Um, it would be ten years ago. So it is. It's 20 oh my gosh! Years, so yeah, I cannot do math. When was it? <laughs> it was it. 10 years ago, so 2011. Wow. Was it just because, like, of how, like, bad it was in there? Or, like, was laparoscopic not even an option? Or was it just because it was emergent? So so they were going to do laparoscopic. And then because of the swelling, they Uh, couldn't do it. uh, Because everything was so inflamed and so sore. And there was all kinds of, I had uh, enteric fistulas all over the place so they they actually said that what saved my intestine from bursting probably was these three or four fistulas that i had so my intestines had like found ways around this severe blockage that i had essentially oh i mean like boo because your intestines like (laughs) suck but then also it's like yay like your intestines are trying oh your little body yeah (laughs) it is yeah (laughs) yeah anyways um but yeah, so, uh, you know, went up and uh, started the recovery process and started learning how to take care of ostomies, which wasn't that big of a deal because I had been a nurse for a couple years at that point. Right. So taking care of ostomies was no issue. It was just weird because it was my own ostomy, obviously. Yeah. Isn't it like the weirdest feeling, like looking down and like you're like, oh my gosh, like that's my internal organ outside yeah. of my body. Yeah. And it like moves. Yep, it wiggles and it yeah. gets larger. And it's crazy. You touch it the wrong way, it bleeds a little bit. It's, yeah. It's so oh, strange. It is. Um, makes lots of noises. Did you name um, yours? Uh, no, I actually didn't. Oh, okay. Maybe that's yeah. just me. <laughs> Maybe I'm just no, a weirdo. <laughs> I, follow, I follow several people on Instagram who are, you know, what, we, what, what they call ostomates. Mm-hmm. So they're friends with ostomies, ostomates. Yeah. And they all have names for their ostomies and things. Oh, cool. Okay. So is there a name for people who had an intermittent ostomies or are we just like not part of that crowd? No, I think we could still be ostomates. Could be like Osta cousins. (laughs) I don't know. Right. Like, I don't know what could work. Anyways, we'll have to look into that. 
No, no, yeah, so I was in the hospital then. What did I say? 16 to 20 days, something like that. It's a long I, time. I had problems tolerating solid food, so I would be on clears and they would advance my diet and I'd start throwing up. And then they'd have to bump me back down, so I'd be back on clears for a couple days and feeling fine and they'd advance my diet and I'd start throwing up again. It was like that for several, several days. Um, never had to get any, like, uh, TPN or PPN or anything like that. Right. Um, Ooh, did you have an NG? Um, I did. Oh, I've had like three or four of those. Blah. My last one, I almost, I almost got, uh, the security called on me. Um. (laughs) No, I, I can't, I've never, knock on wood, but heck no. That, I I think I'm most fearful of that. Like, cause we've done it as nurses. Yeah. Sorry, Tony. You're good. It's probably gross. But anyway, and like you have to shove that shiz in there, and it sucks. I feel horrible for the people you do it to, so I can't imagine. Yeah, I, it's oh. probably my least favorite procedure to do as a nurse now because I've had so many of them. So yeah. I always try to con somebody into doing my NG tubes for me. Does swallowing actually, like, when, like getting it done to yourself, like, because you know how we're like, swallow, yes. swallow, so yes. it does help? Yes. Oh, bless your heart. So how long did you have the NG for? Um, I can't remember how many days, but it was in there for a while. Yeah. When they were finally like, you can take oh, it out. Were you like, actually, I remember, I remember <laughs> in the vacuum, um, like, cause I was still like in and out, or I think it was probably the first night after surgery. So I wasn't in vacuum anymore. I was up on the post-surgical floor. I remember like saying to this nurse and I'm like still out of it cause I'm like, getting pain meds and you know, everything like that still. And I'm like, something's wrong with this NG tube. And he was like, no, it's fine. I'm like, no, I'm a nurse. This <laughs> I know. I know this. And I'm like, there shouldn't be pink stuff coming out of my NG tube. He's like, it's just blood. You had surgery done on your intestines. Like, I'm like, yeah, lower in my intestines than where the NG tube is. So it shouldn't yeah. be like that. And I ended up, like, looking at it. And it was only at, like, 13 centimeters at my nose or something like that. <laughs> like, this is not... <laughs> Which means it would like end right here in my throat, and I ended up. Just I just ripped it out. <laughs> First day after surgery, I ripped my own NG tube out. And then was the nurse like, like, "Oh, how did this fall out?" I was like, "I don't know. I rolled over or something like that." Yeah, I was asleep. I was doped up. Oh my gosh! Um, I feel like but, we can make uh, the best. What sucks is they had to put it in the machine. So. Oh, that does suck. They could have just advanced it, but. Yeah. Well. You know, but at least you're right. So there you go. Yeah. Also, I feel like as nurses, you can be the best patients or the worst at times. I tend to be a bit of both at the same time. Like, I tend to be very yeah. self-sufficient because I'm a nurse. So, like, I'll sit here and, like, if my IV pump is beeping, I'll, just like, like, clear the pump or whatever, you know, for them. And, like, fix it. But <laughs> like, this doesn't need to be here. Let's just take this out. I don't need this anymore. Let's just throw this out yes i would do the same thing like especially if my fluids were about to end like so they didn't have to spike a whole new like tubing set i would like turn it off and like call them in my dad be like stop touching it and i'm like but i can help (laughs) but i yeah as a nurse as as a patient i have actually like helped other patients i've like emptied their foley's and stuff and they're like are you allowed to do that i've like silenced my roommates pumps before and that like, is amazing the air. they're like what are you doing i'm like i'm a nurse it's fine <laughs> i love that you like did you just go over and drain their fully bag and like not even yeah, say anything it was it was literally like a 
about to burst, and I was just like, oh, there's this. So I get the graduated cylinder, and I'm like, let's just empty this. That is a power move. And this literally looking at me like, what the hell is happening right now? I would probably do the same thing if my roommate just, like, wheeled over or whatever, like, walk over and just start, I'd be like, but then if you're like, yeah, oh, I'm a nurse, exactly. I'm like, okay. <laughs> also, I meant to ask, okay, this might be, this is inappropriate, I apologize, but no, I'm curious, did you have a Foley? I did. Like, a urinary, okay, is it, like, really painful for guys? So, mine was placed while I was under anesthesia. Mine too. Um. But coming out, it burned to high heaven. Like, it was honestly awful. I hated that thing. Yeah. Hated it. I think that was the worst part. And I remember I was, as a nurse, because I'm a nurse, I was, like, literally screaming. I was like, give me a 10cc syringe now. <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to take it out. And, and honestly, like, you're walking around, and it's moving, and it hurts, and it's tugging. And, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Okay, Tony, I just, I'm sorry. Tony's shaking his head, trying not to laugh. He's, yeah, he's Tony's like, right now. <laughs> uh, that was the worst. And my, like, the surgeon was like, no, you have to keep it in for, like, I think he said 24 hours. I was like, I will pee, damn it. I will pee right yeah. now if I have to prove. Anyway. I remember when they took mine out, it, like, I kept trying to pee. And it had been like six or seven hours, and they're like, "We're gonna have to straight cap." I was like, "Oh hell no, no, you're not doing this." I was just sitting on the on on the wall. Like, I am going to go pee. I remember like a little I will bit will dribbled this. out, a little bit dribbled out, and I text like, my parents, "I peed, I peed." You're like, "That's enough. That's enough. I did it." I was like, "Yeah, that's good enough." They're like, "Okay, fine." Oh my gosh! Sorry, I just hated that. I think that was the worst part. Foley's are the worst. And Tony's you, over there like... I would rather have a Foley than an NG. Ooh, see. I'd, I mean, I've never had an Someday NG, but I'd probably agree. Shh, don't tell me. <laughs> don't wish that upon me. <laughs> like I said, I've had three or four of them, and it's worse and worse every time. Uh, See, I've never had, knock on wood, I've never had a blockage or anything like that, because I just crap diarrhea, like, right, constantly. Right, right, you guys, well, and I think, Tony, you, you've just had the flares where you're just constantly going, right? Yeah, yep, yep. that's so. been me. Yeah, so my problem with my Crohn's has always been obstructions. So I get blockages really bad. But anyways, like, recovering from this, I had an ostomy for four months, get the surgery, have it reversed after four months, um, and then kind of go back to, you know, trying to live my life. Um, follow-up tests show that I haven't had any active disease. Um, awesome. But, Good. So, I, yeah, I'm technically in remission, but I still have complications from my surgeries and things like that. I've had three or four bowel obstructions since my surgery, um, mm -hmm. which initially because of the extent of the surgery that I had. Um, we thought it was due to adhesions, which is when the scar tissue kind of surrounds your intestine and constricts it. Um, and obviously then food can't move through when, you know, the lumen of the bowel is constricted and closed off. Um, scans and multiple colonoscopies have said that that's not the case. Um, that we actually, they, they actually think that there's actually like a sharp angulation and twist in my intestine. So because I had an open surgery, 
they obviously, you know, open up your abdomen and pull your intestines out to inspect them and perform the procedure on them. And then they lay them back in to your abdomen in as anatomically correct a way as possible. Um, But everything's swollen and it's being manhandled and poked and prodded. And so it gets put back in. And it twisted in this weird way that I have this weird, sharp angulation in my intestine that causes food to get blocked off in that portion of my bowel very easily. So I've had issues there, and we know that eventually I'll probably require another surgery, because they say that when you have one surgery, your chances of successive surgeries, like more surgeries, goes up or increases each time. Um, so we're trying to put it off for as long as possible because once I have a second surgery, then the third surgery, third surgery is that much closer. And then the fourth is right. even closer, that kind of thing. So, um, Dang. so complications. do you yeah. notice, like, are you so now like familiar with like, oh, okay, these are the symptoms I'm getting. I think I have a bowel obstruction. And then do you just like head to the ED or like what? Um, so initially that was what I was doing. That's why I've ended up in the hospital like three or four times. But um, even like a few weeks ago, I thought I had like symptoms of a bowel obstruction, severe abdominal pain, nothing coming out, the uh, like no gas movement coming out the back end. Um, I, I always know that I'm having an issue when I start burping a lot because I'm not like a person who burps or belches. Um, I usually have gas go the other direction and sure. it like will stop. And then I'll start having, like, gas pains, cramps, and, like, the more I eat, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, something's going on. And I've just kind of handled them on my own. Like, I I will just make myself NPO at home or just put myself on clears or, like, sips of clears. And I'll, like, I'll even be at work with, like, symptoms of bowel obstruction. And I've done it before, like, in severe pain. I'm still at work or I'm just at home. I'll just lay around with my heating pad on or whatever and I'll go for short walks you know around my apartment building or around around the neighborhood that I live in uh, mm-hmm. just to get things moving so I I try to handle them as much on my own as I can I have a hard cutoff though for that which is uh, vomiting if I start vomiting I know it's mm-hmm. beyond where I can handle it and I need to go have somebody else you know take care of things yeah, which is like, I mean, I commend you. I think it's really nice that you're a nurse too, because like you can kind of figure that out. But yeah. it just goes to show you that, like, I don't know, like it sucks that we have this disease, but like the longer you have it, like the more you get kind of ownership over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you kind of like call your own shot. So I think that's yeah. really cool. It, it is weird because, as you guys have talked about so many times in your shows, the disease that you have, whether it's Crohn's or colitis, is not a blanket disease. Right. It's nope. so individualized. Each person has their own set of signs and symptoms and their own way of dealing with things that as you have this disease for, you know, X number of years and X number of years and longer and longer and longer, you learn to deal it deal with it in the way that your body tolerates. And sure, yeah. So for me, like I know that like once I, you know, start having abdominal pain like that, it's like, okay, shut down, no food, just start walking. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I've probably, like I said, had a few other bowel obstructions that I've kind of treated on my own. Um, yeah. yeah. How many, when you do treat it on your own, like how many days, give or take, 
does it usually like start to self-correct itself? Um, three or four. Dang, so you're NPO. I know you said like you could go without eating for a couple of days, but so you don't eat that entire time? You just do clears? Um, mostly clears. I'll, I'll do peanut butter and like toast a lot. Okay. Because like, I can get that pretty soft by chewing it, obviously. Sure. And I, and I do okay with that. But there are times where eat, there's been a couple times where even that was like a no-go. And I wow. still was just like, I'll just do Gatorade, you know. Um, yeah. I haven't resorted to doing my own IVs yet. So maybe that's on the horizon. <laughs> You'll have to teach me because that my daddy's always like, because I'll need IV food. I've actually started my own IV before in the hospital. What? Yeah. How do you, I feel like you need two hands. Like, I feel like it's so hard to do it. <laughs> so my last colonoscopy, uh, my, well, two colonoscopies ago, um, they didn't know I was a nurse. And I was like, oh yeah, if you want me to start my IV, I can do that. And they're like, oh, shut up. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it. I'm like, no, really, I can do it. And they're like, no one can start an IV on themselves. I'm like, I'm bring it on. I can do it. You yeah. Know? And they're like, wait, you really think you can do this? I'm like, yeah, I've done it before. Like, like just be just like goofing off. I've done it before. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. So they're like, okay. So like three or four nurses gathered around to watch me do this. And here I am probably looking like a heroin addict, tying off a tourniquet with, like, with my teeth and like, right. finding the right vein. And I held the needle, so, like, you guys can't see me demonstrating, but I held the needle, so, like, the, need, like, the point was going up the correct way. Sure. And just kind of found the right spot, advanced it, and it worked perfectly fine. They actually used it for my colonoscopy to deliver my I meds. love it! Wow. I think it's funny, because, like, if someone's like, oh, my gosh, are you a heroin addict? Like, no, I just have IBD. Right, exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. You don't even know. Well, my, That's my impressive! Thought was, yeah. My thought was, if heroin addicts can find a vein high off their tits than I can sober <laughs> as hell, right? Uh, I will, yeah, and you got the nursing background, so heck yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Alright, well now I feel motivated to try it. If my dad, he's probably listening, because he always says that. He's like, why can't you just start your own idea? I was like, you can't. But now, you can't. Can. It, it, <laughs> it is a question of dexterity, but if you find Ooh. a way, then you'll find a way. All right. Well, that's good to know. It's really good to know. And actually, I'm the more you talk about like your condition and stuff, the more excited I get because I think not. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not excited that you've been through no, this, no, but I understand. Yeah, this is an awesome take because like I'm sure there's other listeners out there who deal with like constipation or like blockages, mm -hmm. and like that's something Tony and I have never experienced. So, so right. I've read some some studies that say that there are really two different types of Crohn's. There's like a Crohn's D and a Crohn's C. Mm. Uh, which is like Crohn's diarrhea and Crohn's constipation. Because I have yeah. like, another friend that I used to work with. She's since moved to a like, different area of work. Um, who Her Crohn's was severe constipation all the time for some reason. And she'd never wow. had surgeries. But like she always was constipated and constipated. They ended up testing her. No celiac, no colitis. It ended up being Crohn's. So I don't wow. know what it is that determines. Some people get severe you know we'll say intestinal flushing um, <laughs> yes severe constipation you know interesting yeah well anyway sorry keep continue so where are we at in this so you um, had your ostomy reversed had, had my ostomy reversed um, you s had you know uh it was having the ostomy i don't know should we touch on having the ostomy i mean you've touched on having the ostomy yeah. before it was yeah but it's always different thing um, I was seeing a girl at the time and I think it was like too much for her that relationship ended and 
Like, I hold no grudge towards her whatsoever. Like, it was a tough sure. time for me. It was, we were in our early 20s, so you don't know anything when you're in your right. 20s. You know? <laughs> right. Um, so that was like, but it was like still hard because it was like, oh God, like, what if this is permanent? You know, then is this how all my relationships are going to be? That kind of thing. I mean, how could you not think that? Like, yeah, I think exactly. anyone in that position would have thought that too. Like, I know I would have if I was dating someone and then they, you know, wanted to end it because of that. I'd be like, well, is this how it's always going to be? Right. So, exactly. Yeah. And it, it just you. makes you feel awkward. Like, it makes you feel like you're, like, you, you don't think you're that different because you're still just a person. But, like, then you're like, sure. oh, am I that different and gross because I have this weird little piece of intestine sticking out of my because i poop right? from my abdomen <laughs> yeah right, exactly you know yeah um, and then like having having an ostomy was a learning curve as you've talked about uh like having to bring supplies with you everywhere like i always had a backpack you know i had oh, yeah. extra clothes extra ostomy supplies i mean there mm -hmm. were several times where i like went to concerts or whatever and i had to go like because you're like dancing and jumping around and you know if yeah break and leak and whatever so i had to go to the bathroom a couple times and change my appliance or yeah change pants or underwear or whatever because it leaks. i feel that and yeah feel so, that. um you know anybody who's out there like, and has an ostomy like i feel your pain um yeah like but just stick with it honestly you're probably doing better than you think you know, yes and, and looking back on it like as devastating and as horrific as i thought it was I'm like, actually, you know, I probably handled it better than I think I did. You know? Yeah. So. I actually have moments. I, I don't want to say this because I don't want to jinx myself, even though I know that's not how it works. But, like, I'll have moments sometimes with my J-pouch because, like, I've talked about the issues I'm having with it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, it was actually easier to, like, have an ostomy in a lot of ways. There are even times now where I think I actually felt better when I had the ostomy versus when oh. they versus since they've reattached and created the anastomosis a thousand percent interestingly yeah. enough i think i may have mentioned this in the episode but like my gi doctor said that it's crazy because like people who have j pouch issues for instance um once they reattach like to an ostomy bag they're completely fine like they have no yeah. issues and they're like that's the million dollar question we cannot figure out why yeah but it's interesting yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I i even tell like if i ever have to have like a major surgery again and I have to have an ostomy. I'm just going to tell them to make it permanent. I mean, honestly, yeah. There's like, a lot of I felt so much. Benefits. I honestly felt like myself, you know, like yeah. pre-Crohn's, pre pre-disease, you know. Yes. So it was kind of wild. Um, not to say that I, I don't feel normal now because I feel normal, I don't know, or at least shades of normal most days. Yeah. I still, like I said, you know, fight constipation. And I think the bloating I have is the worst thing. Like everything bloats me for some reason, no matter what it is, like I could drink water and it's going to bloat me. I don't know why, yeah. you know? Um, well, I, yeah, I don't know. Tony, I don't know about you, but like for me, I would say my biggest thing right now is just weight fluctuation, which like with the ostomy bag, I never, like I gained weight. I was the healthiest I ever was. Like it was just, yeah. Yeah. I would say my biggest uh, thing would be, let's see, is probably, I said, I think my biggest thing would be urgency for me. Mm. That is the worst. I, I, like, when I'm actually regular, like, with my bowel movements, uh, I do have an urgency issue sometimes. Like, I'll be at work, and I'm like, oh, I gotta go. Got somebody watch my patients. Bye. 
and yeah. they run out of the unit. But, like, everybody I work with is obviously nurses and knows my history, so they're all cool with it, thankfully. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted no, to say... Re- yeah, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, you were saying weight fluctuations. Um, when you had your surgery, how much... Like, you, you said you dropped a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. So, like, a normal for me is, like, 125, 130. And I was down... My first surgery before it, I was down to, like, 99 pounds. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. when I went into my... Uh, first surgery uh like when i first had my severe bowel trick and had to have the like big surgery i was like 155 160 pounds right around there mm-hmm. i came out weighing 108 wow yeah. oh my gosh i was like you I, I hate to say like draw comparisons like you see people in like you know like camp survivors from like yeah and things like that like with their ribs and their spine sticking out that was genuinely me and they're like, it's open, open day. Like, eat whatever you want. And I was like, give me all the cookies. <laughs> yeah. And, and since then, I haven't stopped eating cookies and it's an issue. So. <laughs> but cookies are delicious, so it makes sense. Cookies are delicious. Yes. Um, I also, though, did want to say, like, to any listener who has a permanent ostomy out there, like, I hope you don't feel, I don't know what the right word, like, slighted, because we're like, oh, like, ours was just temporary. Um, oh no, I but, mean no offense to them because I'm sure no, I, they hate it, obviously, and, and I same. would expect them to, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think the only thing you can do is speak to how you feel and how your disease process has been. So right. when I say, like, if I could, I would have it be made permanent, it's only because I know how I felt when I had my ostomy. That's what Yeah. I'm so people who have permanent ostomies, I mean, the grass is always greener, you know what I mean? And it's like, right. you might actually be in the be- better in the long run you know you don't have to deal right. with all the complications that like you and i both have so yeah yeah and also name your ostomy or name your yes, name, name your, your soma and soma, there, whatever. there are companies now that are making like artsy ostomy covers and things like yeah that. i got like a spider-man one yeah, i got a holiday yeah. one mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the jam <laughs> there's this girl uh-huh. i follow on instagram who makes her own and they're always so artistic you have to like hit, you have to send me these people because I would love to follow them. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool to follow. Um, yeah. I feel like keep talk. I feel like I had another question for you, but it'll come back. I don't remember. I have it now. a funny story about when I had my staples removed. Yeah, let's hear it. There you go. Neither of you had you didn't have staples because you said you had a laparoscopic surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had a lot of staples because it's a big scar going from your sternum to your pubic bone. Um, I remember I didn't like I was supposed to make an appointment to have them removed and I was like no nah, I'll just go into the hospital and have one of the nurses I work with remove them. Oh gosh. And oh. this one nurse I worked with I was like hey do you want to remove my staples they're supposed to come out today and she's like absolutely and it was funny because one of my like childhood friends was like orienting with her that day and I hadn't seen her for years so it was like weird because my friend was taking my staples out and then my other friend was like watching and she takes the staple remover and have you ever removed surgical staples no no okay so it's this weird like three prong thing where like you slide the two prongs underneath and then you squeeze the handles and this top prong presses down right and okay it basically causes the staple to like bend like this like up on both sides so that the like grabbing sides pull out. I'm so scared she, where the story is going. I'm so scared. 
Steve did not know that you had to squeeze the handle. So she put it under and just pulled straight up. Ah! <laughs> Were you like dying? So I was like, oh, that hurt. Really? <laughs> but I like didn't want to say anything because I've never had staples removed. Like, sure. So I didn't know. But like, if you've ever seen surgical staples, they wrap under the skin. It's not like, you know, it's like basically like a real staple. Like, it yeah. Hold things together. So she's like pulling it through and basically ripping through the scar. Ah! And for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, again, maybe I'm weird, but like she went through three or four staples like that. And I was finally like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure like, your pain tolerance is like out the wazoo. So I'm sure for you, it's like, well. This yeah, is uncomfortable, so like, but... She's like, oh, I'm just lifting up. I'm like, oh, no, you know you're supposed to, like, squeeze. Oh, and she's like, no, I didn't know that. And so she ended up squeezing it, and it was so much better after that. Bless your heart. Oh, wow. my gosh. That... <laughs> If I mean, all y'all can't see us, but Tony and I were like cringing. Yeah, as yeah. We're, like, we're literally covering their faces. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Um, yeah. No. I guess if I ever have staples, you can remove them for me. Yeah, sure. Since you great. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. I love, I love it. <laughs> I'll save some money. It'll be good. That's Dang. exactly why I did it. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think. Tony, do you have any questions? Or like, is there anything else you want to add? I mean, I just think it's so interesting. How it's gone from the very beginning when you were first diagnosed with Crohn's to it so quickly turning into having to have an ostomy. Yeah. And then it was reversed with how many months later was it? Four months? Four. Yeah. Wow. That's like a quick turn of events for everything to happen. It was such a quick turn of events. And I think that's why it was like, it was like, I don't know. I don't, it was, like, weird, because I was, like, in shock, but not in shock, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. I don't really know right. how to express what my mental state was, but, like, there were things that I, like, clung to that helped me get through that time period. Yeah. And it was just, like, okay, we got to do what we got to do. I think the, the biggest shock was, like, realizing, oh, like, you need to have surgery now. Like, right. You need to do this right away. Yeah. And, like, the four months having the ostomy, like... It seemed to fly by, but it also seemed to last forever. Like, I'm sure. Yes. It's the you weirdest know? feeling. Yeah. Wow. So do you, like, you said there's a lot of things that helped you through it. Like, or, or is there anything, advice you would give to listeners, like, or things that really helped you cope? Um, or just continue to help you cope with everything? Um, you know, one of the biggest things, like, I'm, you're, I, I'm a huge soccer fan. Um, mm -hmm. I, I watch a lot of soccer. My favorite team is Liverpool. Um, who play over in England. Uh, won't get into the details of that. But <laughs> they have this anthem, which is called You'll Never Walk Alone. Um, oh. One of the greatest songs in... Um, Tony's gone. Uh, one of the greatest oh. songs <laughs> in uh, Broadway like history. It's, it's a great, great song. Um, and they use that as their anthem. And I remember, like, that season, they got, like, a bunch of really good players. They were doing really well in the league. And it, that was one of those things that helped me. And, you know, cope. Yeah. It, it really That's helped awesome. me cope. Um, yeah. I, I had a crash course in learning who, like, 
real friends were and weren't because there were people who like I thought I was really close to who didn't come visit me in the hospital and then people right. who I wasn't as close to who did come several times to the hospital and visit me and you know now I'm closer to those people and things like that um so I, I think you know family is always huge family helps you through everything right you know um and then just you know friends obviously um and then soccer I remember after getting out of the hospital I had my ostomy I think my staples were removed yes my staples were removed um I went and played soccer with my ostomy and it was like maybe two or three days after my staples were removed and everybody was like it's so good to see you it's so great to have you back out here but I remember I got decked so hard in in the game that everybody was like oh like, he can't, like, he, like, he, he just, can't handle that. Like his intestines are gonna explode. Yeah. Like, they didn't know anything, you know. Sure. But, like having friends and you know having people who were like supportive during that time period. Was yeah. Which Sean, I think I think I reached out to you, or you reached out to me. I can't remember which yeah, way. Like when I vice versa, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and I like I mean I really really appreciated that because like Sean had had an ostomy prior to me going through it, and you just were really kind and like just very encouraging and it was really awesome so thank you for that by the way yeah no, definitely no support I think, people i think it's one of those things where like you it, there's very few people who can relate to that at least mm-hmm. it seems like that at least you know and even then yeah. like i can't relate to your situation because i didn't go through what you went through but there's that commonality of having the ostomy because an ostomy is an ostomy sure you know? Yeah. No matter what reason you have have it for, an ostomy is an ostomy. Whether it's permanent or temporary, it's still a piece of intestine that you have hanging outside of your abdomen, you know? Yes. Do you have, I sometimes have still, and it's been three years, I think now, um, like, I call it like phantom stoma, like not pain, but just like when it, when like, yeah, like when it would empty yeah. food. Sorry, Tony, I feel so bad because you're like, I haven't experienced this. No, this is, yeah, this is very interesting <laughs> to hear. All well, like, but like literally there was like this sensation when, when it would empty food. Like you wouldn't know, like if, I, if you were sleeping, you wouldn't like wake up from it. But yeah. if you're aware of it and you're like, oh, and like it's that pressure or like that mm-hmm. I still have phantom and I'm like, Ugh. and then I'm like, oh, wait, I don't I have an ass for you. feel like there's gas coming out of it all the time. Yeah, like it's crazy. And then... Like, the scar is there, and, like, that whole area is numb. So, like, you can, t- I'm, like, touching it right now, and I can't feel it. But, like, every Same. once in a while, I'll still get, like, a feeling of, like, gas coming through it, or, like, you know, tingling yeah. sensation in that area. And I think it's because, okay. like, obviously, the intestine still runs past that. So, I think sometimes sure. when, like, obviously, there's nerve damage because of the scar tissue. Yeah. then I think, like, the nerve damage you know, will run through the entire fascia right there. And then uh-huh. you still have the intestine running right past it. So I think the peristalsis probably has to initiate that in some way. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> but no, that's that to, makes sense to not me. Not to get into, like, the uh, uh, physiology lessons. That's my thought. But no, I like yeah, it. I still have oh. uh, issues with that all the time, like, thinking, like, oh, that was weird. Yeah! Like, I'm like, yeah. And then you don't. I don't have an ostomy yeah. bag, but I'm like, ah, I think I do. Okay. Right. I remember my question. It's not about yeah. an ostomy, but I'm so silly. I wrote it down and then I found where I wrote it down. Anyway, so I, this might not be the right, like, just bear with me. Words are hard. Um, 
do you think not an easier transition but do you think the transition of like understanding like the diagnosis that you were given do you think it was maybe a little easier having a parent who also had that and like having um, someone maybe to help you through it or no in ways Does yes, that make sense? and in some ways okay. no so okay. yes because you know she like my mom is amazing she's an amazing woman i love her um so yes in that regards that my mom has this mutual disease but like we have no symptoms alike wow you know? like again so, yeah so it was it was more difficult in that way because there would be times where she would say oh well your crohn's isn't like my crohn's or or things like that like like you would say like you know like people make these it's almost like a weird underhanded comment like oh i wish like you have said before oh i wish i could lose weight like that like when people yeah. say things like that like even my mom has said things like that, but, like, not out of malice whatsoever. Sure, right, like, right, right. like, oh, well, it's not like that for me. And it's like, well, that's because we're different people. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she doesn't mean it in any way, like, sure. in, like to, to harm me or anything like that. Like I said, I think the reason sometimes it doesn't help is because this disease process is so individualized. The only thing we can really do is just be there for each other and, and kind of, like, say, we have this commonality in in that we have the same diagnosis or the same family of diseases right but we don't necessarily have the same disease you know which i think it's even more interesting in your case because it's like you would you would think that this disease would have maybe some commonality with like being family members and it's like it just goes to show you like nope like this can manifest in any type of way which is crazy even family or not so really interesting is so my mom when she had her Crohn's really like when she was finding out that she had Crohn's really bad um she ended up getting pregnant with me so like I almost wow that's like because I remember the other day you were talking about like they said that because of this you might not be able to have children blah 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 mm-hmm. blah and not to bring that up I know it's a big sort of subject I'm sorry oh no you're fine I'm open you know me I'm an open book no I know but but thank you <laughs> this is one of those things that's hard for people to talk about sometimes yeah sure my mom told me that like when she was going through this they told her like she had said that she wanted to have another kid because she had already had my brother and they told her no way like you'll never have children and then she ended up getting pregnant and her Crohn's got so much better she said so okay i don't know if i've mentioned this before but like that is so interesting and cool because two people that i went to nursing school with so one was like in her 30s the other one was 26 i think Mm -hmm. but she ended up getting pregnant during nursing school and she was like on remicade for her illness like she had ulcerative colitis i'm pretty sure and she like totally went into remission and then the other girl who had crohn's she was like, oh, when I got pregnant, totally in remission. And my GI doctor said that he, they think it's because, like, your immune system has to focus on, like, creating life as well and, like, help with the baby. So it, like, yeah. chills. It can't do the and I'm like, thing. Yeah. Right. So it was like my family was joking. They're like, so basically you just have to be pregnant all the time. And I was like, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Get, that would I'll suck, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get started on that. Yeah. So anyway, that's, like, crazy. it's it's just an interesting fact that like she got pregnant with me while she had Crohn's yeah it's almost like I wonder if that had something to do with it so like 
I, it'd be an interesting study. Like the people it would. Crohn's, like, or IBD. I wouldn't even say Crohn's. I'll just throw yeah. IBD out in general. Like people who have IBD flares and get pregnant, do their children end up having IBD or something like that? It would like, be interesting. Hopefully it not. Would be. But, yeah, that's like actually one of my fears, and I know it's out of my hands, and like it is what yeah. it is. Um, but. I never, I mean, I don't want to give this to any of my, hopefully, if I can have kids, I don't want to give this to any of my kids, but my dad's always like, well, at least, you know, like, you'd help them through it, but I just, yeah. Right, yeah. It would suck. But I feel like there's so many factors that play into it, like, oh my gosh, like, all the studies you read, there's just no, like, no one can figure out what this is caused by, which is just wild to me. Yeah, it's, I've read so many different studies that say it's, it's genetics, it's uh dietary it's yeah a issue it's this uh, like it seems like nobody seems to know but no we have pretty viable treatments for most cases and then for someone like remicade could work for you but not for you and which is and the case right <laughs> which is exactly like you both have the same disease in the form of colitis you know what i mean right so. which i meant to ask were you ever on medicine um, I was on Pentassa when I was first diagnosed. F which that was awful. stuff. Yeah. It was awful. Um, You're on it, right, feel... Tony? I am currently on Pentassa, yes. Okay. Sorry, Sean, uh, I did not mean to cut you off. How do you feel on it? I feel great. It works really good for me. So, yeah, I felt awful. It made me break out really bad. It made me severely, like, have insomnia so bad. Wow. Uh, and I think I was having the same issue as you were talking about, Sarah, at one point where, like, it was like the medicine was just passing. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. pooped that sucker like, hole. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, it's not doing anything in there, so I don't know no. what's going on. But, yeah, I ended up calling my doctor and say, this is making me feel terrible. I'm stopping this. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll see how you do off of it. I think that was his little <laughs> challenge to, like, to me, to, to be like, yeah, like, I know what I'm talking about, and you're just patient. Right. I haven't been on medicine since. Wow. But see, that's wow. like, you're a patient. Yeah, advocating for yourself is so huge. We've mentioned that before. It is, and I recently just switched GI docs, because um, my, my GI doc, who I love, left the clinic. Well, he didn't leave the clinic. Oh. He changed services, essentially. He's now taking care of mostly liver patients instead of uh, Crohn's and colitis patients. Um, gotcha. Okay. So I got a new doctor and went through, you know, the process of onboarding with her and everything like that and going through physicals and everything with her. And she did all these blood tests and found that I was like severely like deficient in B12 and vitamin D. So I have to take B12 supplements because where I had my surgery, the part of the intestine that they removed is like responsible for absorbing vitamin b12 mm-hmm. and vitamin d um so i'm like deficient in those now taking supplements like i said um but they had talked to me about like we should start you on medicine and i was like i've had this for 10 years i haven't been on medicine for 10 years and aside from these obstructions i haven't had any symptoms and they're like well yes you're having obstructions and i was like but we've determined that that's like a physiology issue and or in it an anatomical issue and not like a physiology issue so right. do i really need to be on medicine and my doctor who's a fellow here um and the staff that's like overseeing her kind of agreed with me and said you know what currently no as long as you don't have any active inflammation 
we don't have to put you on any medicine. So they kind of agreed with me and we kind of came up with like a little plan here to keep me off medicine as long as possible. I said, I'm always open to being on medicine if it's necessary, but as long as it's not necessary, why fix a problem that's not there? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. That's huge. Um, yeah. And that's like, again, you're advocating for yourself and it's like goes to show you that like, don't be scared to like voice to your doctors things you like that have, because I think you should have like an open relationship with your doctors where you tell them what you're thinking and why you don't want this or don't want that it shouldn't be something you're scared to talk about at all exactly well man this has been so good and I know we have to talk about travel but is there yeah. anything else Sean on your heart and on your soul that you would like or like to talk about your journey or whatever I don't want to miss anything so I think, you know, pretty much covered the whole surgery aspect of it. It I think I'm able to give a, a little bit of a different story and perspective because you guys are currently going through active disease and I'm technically in remission, but it, it just goes to show that, like, just because you achieve this miraculous thing of remission doesn't mean that you won't still have complications, you know? Right. Oh, I think another question that listeners might... Maybe. I don't want to speak for sure. the listeners, but do you follow a certain diet? Um, so I'm kind of supposed to, but like, I'm kind of limited. So because I keep having these obstructions, they're telling me don't eat fiber, don't have anything like that's fibrous, that's like healthy, basically. So I remember after my last scope, I asked the doc, who's not my normal doc, because um, he was just the person doing procedures that day. I was like, so what do I eat? And he was like, McDonald's. And I was like, well, that's terrible advice. But Was he serious? Yeah, he was dead serious. He's like, eat processed food. That's what your body likes, eat processed food. Which I don't want to eat fast food all the time, obviously. Um, I want to be told to eat processed food. Right, me too. <laughs> right, like, it's so like, That's what I tolerate best. And... Like, I hate it because it's, like, not it's not a good diet. It's not good. Like, I want to lose right. weight. No. Um, but I, I try to eat as balanced as I can. I eat a lot of, like, fish and chicken um, okay. more than anything else. Um, and pretty much, like, the only, like, I'll do vegetables every once in a while, but it's usually, like, pretty steamed. Um Probably like the the biggest vegetable I eat is like shredded lettuce, like to just to get like some form of fiber and green in me and whatnot, um, and a, and a lot of rice and mashed potatoes or potatoes in general. So, is there something that you would say that you have to steer clear from, like all together, that you like to eat but it never goes well in the end? Um, Brussels sprouts and broccoli, man. I love both of those as vegetables. If I have either one of those, it's a disaster. Such a bummer. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, I mean, prior to having Crohn's, I loved chocolate milk and can't have that anymore because it's just not good at all. Can you do, um, I know it's not the same, but there's like oat milk that I've had, or like almond milk that's chocolate? I do okay with almond milk. Um, I just can't have it in like large, large, large quantities. Like I can't sit there and like drink two glasses or whatever, but I'll right. make, like I make um, 
smoothies for breakfast in the morning. And, mm-hmm. and it's just like, it's a little bit of almond milk, a banana, some peanut butter, and some chocolate. And it's like the you best do. thing ever. Yeah. That sounds amazing, actually. Kind of want one now. Yeah. Um, oh, cred. I had a question. Wait. Wait no. for it. What? No, it was about food, and it's like totally just blanked. Oh, my gosh. Oh, 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 no, no. It's not about food, actually. It's about alcohol. Um, sure. Can you tolerate alcohol? Um, for the most part. I do better with hard liquor. Same. Let's go. Yeah. yeah so like, but I've always liked whiskey more than anything else. But like, okay. I can tolerate beer. It just bloats the hell out of me. Like, if I have a beer, like it's instantly like Goodyear blood in my belly. Wow. Yeah. See, I I can't drink beer in because of celiacs. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a liquor. I'm a vodka. Give me that sure, vodka. Sure, Moscow sure. mules. See, See I, 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 I was like just. Scotch, so. mm, I was always curious because I think, I don't know if I mentioned this before. Sorry, listeners, whatever. But like back in the day, because I don't drink right now. But like back in the day, it would actually like slow me down. It was yeah. fantastic. I was sure. like, yeah. And then my GI doctor was like, what do you want me to tell you to become an alcoholic? And I was like, no. If I drink, it actually makes things move through easier but like i can't do that all the time because so if you have a blockage off. just you yeah. know yeah just start Mainline just ripping shots in, right? <laughs> yeah. just call us over we'll just rip shots with you it'll be great there you go perfect yeah 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 okay i'm trying to hmm i'm trying to think if there's think any other amazing. foods that i like really actively avoid um you said wait did you talk about raw vegetables and stuff sorry i had a um, raw vegetables are no go. He asked me if there was anything I like used to like eating that I have to avoid now, and I said Brussels sprouts and broccoli were probably are probably the two big ones because I actually do like vegetables, but I mm-hmm. just I can't tolerate a lot of them. And like the everybody tell like all my docs tell me like there shouldn't be a reason you can't, but it seems like the more fiber I have introduced into my diet, like mm-hmm. going through that one portion of my bowel, it just Bumps and creates a yeah. Blockage, you know? Well, I think that's the most frustrating part too, because I feel like I feel like that is pretty common amongst IBDers. Well, I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to lump us all in the same group, but like I can't tolerate raw vegetables. Tony, I think you have a no, hard time. Like, can't do it. yeah, and it sucks because that's like the most nutritious, I would say, like yeah. food it's, out it's there. The most nutritionally dense food that you can have. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, smoothies are a great way, but that soups, works for me too. Yeah. yeah, but then you read, like, oh, if you boil or, like, if you steam, like, it loses some of that. And I'm just like, well. You got to do something to F get it all. Right. <laughs> yeah, like. Exactly. I feel like smoothies. It is a struggle because, like, it's weird because, like, you're trying to eat healthy, but, like, you can't eat healthy. And yes. it's like, you're losing weight, so everybody thinks you're being healthy, but you're losing weight because you literally can't eat. It's just, right. it's like a catch-22 in every direction, and you're just like. I'm just gonna throw my hands up and just. I know. And, and then I my grilled chicken and white rice. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yes. Grilled chicken, white rice. Yeah, that's literally the go-to. I would say that's yep, definitely yep, mine. Yep. <laughs> or like, yeah, yeah. Actually, I choose that over like mashed potatoes. Yeah, mashed potatoes and gravy sometimes. But I think those are our go-to staple things that we go for because they know it's or we know it's our safe food. Yep. Yeah. And we talked about the fear cycle in an earlier, you know, episode of I eat this 
this is what's going to happen. Or if I'm not close to a bathroom, this is going yeah. to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah like literally KFC today. mashed potatoes is my like soul oh, food. Uh -huh. That sounds amazing. Like today though, <laughs> just a little example was like, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling better, which is good, but like, I think like IBD conditions you sometimes that you're like, no, 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 you can't go to that public place without a restroom because you're going to be screwed. But anyway, my boyfriend plays disc golf, so he wanted to go to a course today. And I was like, mm -hmm. well, I can't eat before we go because then I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. It's just like little right. things like that, you know? Yeah. But Which they did I have a talk about. Oh, yes. Let's talk about travel. <laughs> let's hear it. Uh, so what did you say? Six? It was like six. Six, my six top tips, which they kind of like break down a little bit further. Um, but for people who don't know, like, obviously I've talked about being a nurse, but I'm also trying to, I'm an aspiring travel and landscape photographer. Um, which so you have some good why, stuff. Check out his Instagram, people. It's pretty good. You. You're so welcome. Uh, I'm not just saying that. No, thank you. I'm not, I'm not just saying thank you. I mean it. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're so um, polite on this show. Look at us. Okay. We are. Um, so that's why I try to travel as much as possible because I want to, you know, make a living out of that. Like, mm -hmm. not even necessarily full time. I don't think I want to do it full time because I, I do genuinely like being a nurse. But if it does happen full time someday, then great. But anyways, I like to travel. I've always liked to travel. My parents kind of instilled that into me. Um, so uh, I've been to just like a little breakdown. Uh, before I had Crohn's, I had been to Ireland and like, all throughout the United States. Uh, since having Crohn's, I have been to uh, the UK three times. Um, I've been to Iceland three times. I've been to Canada. Um, and where else? Oh, and I've been all over the West Coast, like Utah, Arizona, um, California, you know, things like that. So do, do a lot of that. And there's even some like tips for like camping and things like that for people who might want to, you know, attempt to camp or hike and backpack and that kind of stuff. So, um, my top tips for traveling with IBD, um, my number one tip is know yourself. So I think this is highly important because I think before you travel as a person with IBD, um, you have to know yourself and know your disease. Um, and and it, it can be hard because you don't, sometimes you don't know how often you're going to the bathroom, but if you can kind of nail it down to like, okay, I go to the bathroom this long a period after I eat, then you can plan that into your travel, you know, that kind of thing. Um, right. Uh, knowing your limits, like what are you comfortable with and what are you not comfortable with? So my suggestion is to just kind of start small, start with like a weekend trip away, not too far from home, not too far from the, you know, doctors and facilities that you know. Um, so know yourself is the big one. Um, knowing your own disease is the big one. Um, foods you can tolerate, obviously, like, you know, if you know you don't tolerate this, don't go to a place where that's the only thing you can eat, that kind of thing. Right. So I think that's probably the easiest 
And one of the hardest ones to, to get a grasp of is, is knowing yourself and knowing your disease, knowing your limits and knowing what you're comfortable with. Well, and um, I think too, not to cut you off, but like, I think people could probably fall into a trap with that because like, especially if you're going with people traveling and it's so hard when like, they're all eating like queso and chips, you know, and you're like, yeah. I just want to eat queso and chips with them. And you're like, maybe if I just dabble, but it's like, right, is it right. worth it? So I think right, that's actually right. really good advice. And, and it, it is. It's, it's very hard to have that self-restraint sometimes. But if 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 you don't think you can do it, I the safe bet is don't do it, which I'm yeah. sure you both would agree with. Oh, yeah, 100%. definitely. Yeah. Uh, the second tip, don't travel alone, at least not when starting out traveling. Um, it's always really nice. Yeah, it's nice to have somebody with you when you travel no matter what but i've been um you know across the country and to other places on my own several times now and haven't had issues but i know that i've had issues in the past where like i've had to run to bathrooms and, and needed you know a friend to wash bags or things like that so definitely when you're still getting comfortable with traveling and getting comfortable with your own disease and still learning your disease and things like that don't travel alone um and you know so yeah uh, well and especially if there's like an emergency situation right i mean like bless your soul you were able to drive like like a little bit of the way before you had to call you know ems but like not not my smartest move but yeah <laughs> this would be directly under that like don't do things like that alone because like you can think okay i'm having an issue maybe i should you know, start heading back and go go to the hospital mm -hmm. or, or, like, get home. People might know where you were going, like, like saying you're going here, you turn around halfway because you're having a problem, then nobody knows where you're at. You know, you right. need someone to help you. Like, I, when I had that issue, I was hyperventilating, getting dizzy. I could have very easily passed out and nobody would have known where I was or something like that. Right. So, yeah. Know, don't, don't travel alone, at least not when you know, starting out and still learning about your own disease process and how your body handles that kind of thing. Yeah. And I like how you're pointing out, like starting out because it's like, yeah. I don't want people who like, I'm sure there's people out there who love to like, maybe not travel alone, but like go hiking alone or like do yeah. stuff alone, yeah. which is totally normal and cool. But like, just give yourself some grace and don't do it right off the rip. Wait yeah. a bit. And then once you're like, uh, like acclimated. Yeah. Yep. So I think exactly. that's really good advice. Which is why also it kind of, falls into the first one know your limits and know what you're comfortable with you know yeah, yeah. Ease into um, they're all it. kind of build on each other which is nice yeah um, number three is be meticulous and i'm talking about your planning um there's so much that you can look into and find answers for um plan as much as you can research restaurants do because mm. some places you go to like there's plenty of restaurants around but most of them will say like bathrooms for customers only like it'll even say it on websites or facebook things like like their, right. their facebook uh, pages or whatever um local foods you know um knowing about the local food in the area is certain are certain foods prepared with certain things that you can't tolerate because you might think that this rice dish is tolerable because it has it's it's a rice dish but yeah. maybe it's cooked in milk or something like that you know uh, something that you can't tolerate um, and you can even research doctors in the area especially if you're still in the United States um, that's something I recommend to people is to you know look into is there 
you know, doctors or hospitals in the area if you think you could run into a problem that you, you know, could contact or even reach out to ahead of time or something like that. That's a really um, good idea. I would need, like, that's something I never would have thought of, but that's genius. And, I mean, it's just being you know, smart. And well, there's, yeah. there's a, a website, like, if you're traveling, in, traveling internationally, there is a website. I can't remember uh, what it is. Like, the IMPA... TA or something, IMATA, um, or international something. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it literally breaks down doctor. You can like type in where you're going and it'll tell you all the doctors in that area for like specialties. It's on the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation website if you want. Oh, that's to cool. Um, that's a good so, resource. Yeah, definitely, check it out. definitely use that resource, obviously. Like they have a lot of tips on there as well. They have a website that you can go through and like find doctors in, you know, that area that specialize in our disease, IBD, obviously. Um, find possible places for bathrooms. That's oh, a big huge. Part of, big part huge. of researching. I think yeah. it can go overlooked because you're so excited to go on a trip um, that you forget to look up, okay, there's not a rest stop between here and here. So I should definitely try and go to the bathroom here because the next 100 miles, there's no rest stop. You know, yeah. Everybody's worst uh, nightmare. AAA, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. The AAA on their website has maps of like all rest stops in the United States. Wow. So, yeah. No. So if you're planning a road trip, get on there and you can find out where your rest stops are along the way. So you can kind of plan that out. I'm so pumped that you told me that. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a lifesaver. Um, uh, you talked about this in your airplane story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> book an ILC. Horrible. Well, it didn't matter. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It can make a difference. It can make a difference. Because everybody hates being that person that's like sitting in the window and has to get up constantly. Yeah. You know? So do yourself a favor and book an ILC. Not even, don't even have to be close to the bathroom. Just make it easier for you to access the aisle way so that you can get to the bathroom. I think that can, can yeah. make a, a, a big difference. Um, if you're going camping or backpacking, um, my biggest piece of advice, obviously, is like bring your mountain money, which is toilet paper. Um, <laughs> I like that. Uh, That's bring, smart. Yeah, bring your mountain money, which is your own toilet paper, your own wipes and uh, practice the leave no trace principles, which is, it kind of dictates how far away from a trail and water source you can go to the bathroom, how deep you need to dig a hole. Um, I've been camping and backpacking several times, even with, you know, my Crohn's and everything, never really had an issue. Um, if you, like I said, if you do know and can plan your bowel movements, uh, like, like you know you're going to go to the bathroom this long after you eat, because I think mm -hmm. most of us know, like, oh, oh I've yeah. eaten, so in 90 minutes, I'm probably going to go to the bathroom, in 30 minutes, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Like, we, we we can pretty much set a clock to that. Like, most of us IBDers can set a clock to that, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, saying, okay, especially when I had an ostomy, I knew, you know, 45 minutes after I eat, my ostomy is going to be emptying. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. That was the thing. Right. If you can plan that, like, you, you can plan that into your hiking and your travels and everything like that, um, which is important because, like, 
especially like for me with, with photography, I've had to plan it where like I wake up, you know, make my tea, make my little breakfast, and then I want to go catch the sunrise, but I know that, you know, an hour after I wake up and have my tea and breakfast, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. So I need to wake up that little bit earlier so that I can get out on time and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, pack enough, and you've talked about this too, pack enough to last through your trip, uh, meaning medications or anything that you're taking with you. Um, and I don't mean yeah. just through the trip, pack enough for delays. You know, like right. you could be stuck yeah. somewhere because of bad weather and you run out of uh, supplies. And that would be a disaster, obviously. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Number four, um, talk to your doctor about traveling. Mm. They're always a good resource because they can tell you, you know, right now is not a good idea. Or, yeah, I think you're, you're good to go. Like, they can give you that little vote of confidence and everything like that yeah. um you can also get like a medical statement of disease <laughs> from them that can help you in security lines and other places that you might have to wait um they can get you a printout of all your medications um that's so that really when nice you're traveling you have a printout of what your medications are so if you're going through tsa or you know through a border patrol or something like that because they might search through a bag you can have it broken down into what these medications are because not everybody has the medications in their original bottles, you know? So Oh, that's a really that good idea. Yeah. See? I didn't even know that. Learning. We're learning. Learning. We are learning. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Uh, make copies of your prescriptions, which kind of goes with, like, getting, you know, a printout of everything like that. Um, number five is obtain medical cards or alert bracelets if necessary that's um, very smart i like that Crohn's and colitis foundation actually has an i can't wait card yeah i have two you do yeah so it can help you jump the line and find like even employee only bathrooms if necessary oh heck um, yeah yeah which technically they can't deny you if you have you know this disease process which is why i say get them get the bracelets get the medical statement from your doctor that way you and it can just be a little thing you print out and put in your wallet or your back pocket or whatever and you I've, hand it to tsa or whoever you know i've always had scenarios in my head of like one it'd be like to use one that's an employee bathroom and i just run in somewhere and they're like it's no you can't use it uh, and i'd yeah. be like i will poop on this floor i will do it <laughs> Give me that bad. So that's scenario one. Scenario two, have you guys ever thought about getting pulled over by a cop and like you really yes. are trying to get somewhere because you have to poop? I yep. would just be like, I'm about to crap my pants. Let me go. Or I'd cry. Yeah. Or I'd just poop right there and be like, this is what you did. Are you yeah. happy now? I've always imagined myself pooping in the back of a police car. <laughs> <laughs> they are detained you and you're like, yeah, they detained me. Like, you were speeding way too much. I'm like, I'm about to go to the bathroom. And they're like, yeah, likely story. And then sure enough, I just shit yeah no i literally saw a news article and i'm pretty sure it was real but it was like this woman got pulled over and she was going like x amount over because she had to poop and i was like i feel you homegirl that's the real thing oh anyway sorry no you're okay i was always curious if you guys ever thought of scenarios that's just me (laughs) okay good um so yeah get those both are valid or cards if if you need to um yeah number six is probably the most important one 
have fun and don't stress. Ah, that is yeah. a good one. Yeah. So stress is obviously, as you guys know, one of the biggest problems that we face, and it causes so many problems for us IBDers. Um, the worst. Planning out a trip can be a stress can be stressful. So just try not to stress too much about it, um, and just have fun while you're out there doing what you're doing. So. Yeah. Like I said, start small, know yourself, and then kind of build up that confidence as you travel. You'll learn more about yourself along the way, things you want mm -hmm. to take, things you don't want to take with you. Um, but all those tips I've, I've used, except for like the medication ones, because I haven't been on any medications. Sure. Um, uh, if you, so bonus tips. Right um, from the bonus. If you are on medications, carry your medications with you do not put them in your luggage because mm -hmm. if your luggage gets lost your medications are lost yes for the bonus tip that is gold so, yeah so i i heard stories where people have lost their luggage and been without their you know anti-inflammatories for days so Woo! obviously not Rough. not Rough ideal <laughs> yeah not ideal no uh, the last bonus tip so whenever you're going through airport screening, they have all these rules about uh, you can only have like three ounces of a liquid and this much of this and, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, ostomy supplies are exempt. Just no way. That. Yes. So medical supplies are exempt. Um, ostomy supplies are allowed through TSA and other security checkpoints. Uh, medications are also allowed through TSA and other security checkpoints. That's so, really cool to know. I don't even think yeah. my dad would know that, and he's a pilot. That's yeah. really cool. So that that is so. Make sure that you're aware of that, and you do take those with you because nothing would be worse than being on the plane and your ostomy starts leaking and all your oh, stuff is below no. in your suitcase and you can't do anything about it. And then the smell <laughs> just like seeps yeah, throughout the cabin. Like, like, the plane. <laughs> yeah. Man, and that's like a rough smell. Yeah, it's a rough. It it's a rough. It's a rough go. Wow, those are that's a really good yeah. Sean. You just enlightened us. It's good that's travel awesome. tips. They've helped me. They've helped me. And I think it's one of those things that so many people with IBD are afraid to do is like cuz it's it can be a very limiting disease, obviously. And it but it shouldn't be. It doesn't have to be. Is right. what I want people to know. It, if you just take some precautions and use some common sense and do things the right way, then I think Everybody should be able to get out there and enjoy life a little bit more. At least not right now. When, right. When we're right. <laughs> COVID exempt. Yeah. Go, go wild. Girl, yeah. No. Ladies. I even like this past or er, yeah, this past weekend, uh, my boyfriend and I were going up to see his sister who lives in Cincinnati. And like I was having like I literally had to pause and I was like, I'm having anxiety because I yeah. have like a ton of supplements. I had to like make food because sometimes like where we go, I can't. And I was like starting to get, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is year 11 for me. And I'm still like, right. so anyway, I think that was huge. Like control what you can control, but like don't yep. stress out too much. Cause it's just going to like ruin yep. everything. Yep. Stress. So that's, that's really good advice. Too. Yeah. 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 I feel like a lot of IBDers, if we had to take a poll would like all be type A. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, I think that's just, a, I think that's the one commonality amongst, yeah. like, yeah. all Especially of us. Especially now, now that we have IBD. Like, we're even probably more type A now that we have IBD. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely, yeah. Ugh. 
I totally agree. Well, Sean, that was awesome. Thank you so much. I'm sure the listeners will be like, because like I even learned a ton. That's awesome. So thank you. Me too. And he, you gained that from experience. So like, that's huge. Like, don't get flustered. Don't get upset, especially if you're newly diagnosed. Like this is, this is a process. Unfortunately it is. It's just the reality. And like, have again, grace with yourself. Know that you aren't alone and just, yeah. Just strap in for the IBD ride, baby. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's glorious and messy and smells sometimes, but you know what? You build character. You do. Yes. But, but, you know, like you said, I've learned a lot of that through experience, and I've had times where I've failed in my travels, and I've had times that I've been glaring successes. And the more I do it, the more success I have. So yeah. it takes some practice, but you'll get there in the end. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Um... Wow, I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't think I have any more questions. Tony, do you? I think you've covered a lot, and we appreciate you stopping on to tell your story. I was so excited to be a part of this. I'm so happy you guys included me in this. Yeah. It means a lot to even just put my story out there, and if I help even one person, then it was so worth it. So. Yeah. Which question? And not to put you on the spot, but like let's we do have an email so if, like people do reach out from time to time if they do and like want to hear more about you or like have a question for you like is it okay if we share like an email address or whatever yeah. so they can reach out to you okay cool yeah, so absolutely. i'll send you guys my email address they can always find me on instagram um they can always uh find me through my website as well i have a website oh no um, way Sean, yeah seanhofferphotography.com um, it has links to that. my email and links to my uh, social. So. And Hoffer is H O F F E R. F F E R. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All and right. My Instagram, so, I'll just throw it out there, is S Hoffer underscore photography. Which you should totally check it out, people. I'm not just saying this. He takes some pretty bomb ass photos. Let me tell you. I'm trying. You do though. They're so beautiful. I'm always like, oh my gosh. Like, and then I'm like, where'd he go? And like, you'll be like in Ohio, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I can't believe it. It's beautiful. So yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I mean, I'm sure we'll have you on the show again at some point because this is just way too much fun. I'm always willing to come back and talk about anything. Cool. Well, again, flushies, thanks for listening and thanks for bearing with us. <laughs> and Sean, thank you for bearing with us because okay. <laughs> we literally had to re-record. It was fun. It was fun. No, but for real, like, genuinely, like, thank you. I, it's not always easy for people to open up about it. And I know, like, you've definitely helped somebody for sure. That, I mean, more than one person, I'm sure. But. I think the one thing that we can all do as a community better is be more open about it. And I think in the circle of IBD, we're all open with each other. But when it comes to talking to other people about IBD, we're not as open. And I don't know why. I think the one thing I would pride myself on is... I'm open about it with everybody. Like, mm-hmm. I will talk to anybody about it. I'll talk to you, even if you don't want to hear about it. Like, yeah. Because right. I mean, it's so stigmatized mm-hmm. because it's about poop. You don't talk about poop. Which is, but, like, so ridiculous because everyone does it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But it's not a gross disease. It's just, it is, it's a disease. It is what it is. It's just misunderstood. We, we can all do ourselves a favor by getting it out there, and that would just destigmatize it, basically. No, I love that. And that's huge. Huge. Yeah. Especially, I think, like, ostomies and stuff like that. Oh, Especially. Absolutely. But, yeah. yeah. Well, seriously, thank you, Sean. I know we've said it a million times, but for real, thank you. This was so exciting. Our yes. first guest. No, I'm, I'm Let's go! I'm happy to be a part of it.
Awesome. We're pumped. All right. Well, freaking slushies. Um, I'm sorry. Wait, where can they hear us? Listen to us? We are on Spotify. Spotify. I forget Apple every Podcasts, time. Google <laughs> Podcasts, SoundCloud, all the above. Yeah. And email us at thefrequentflusher at, at gmail. <laughs> oh, wait. I didn't do it. I don't. Yeah. Uh, freaking, thefrequentflusher at gmail.com. You got it. Yeah. And we have an Instagram. At the frequent flusher. Check us out. Check us oh, out. Also, yeah, hit sorry it. not to interject one last thing. No. On my Instagram page, I do have like a tips for IBD and like an IBD like uh, like a story or something like that. On your Instagram page? Yeah. yeah. Woo! I'm going to have to yeah. check it out. Check it out too. Screenshot yeah. that ish. Yep. Yeah. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Well, frequent flushies, thank you for listening. We hope everyone is healthy and well and COVID free. Uh, yeah, and I think next episode, we have no idea what it's going to be about, but we will be back soon. (laughs) Yeah, I would say two weeks, but that has never panned out. So I'm going to say soon the next time. (laughs) Yeah, soon in the near future. Thanks for sticking with us and hanging with us, too. We appreciate all of our listeners. Yeah, love y'all. All right, sounds good. See you guys soon. Bye bye.